and then she goes on what I can only describe as fuck robot prop comedy. And it's there we go. I was trying to get Rich laugh this whole time. And it's it was fuck robot prop comedy. <laughs> Uh, so you were working on a play like a month ago? I was. Ago? Yes. Right now? Yeah. And it was actually last weekend. Yeah. So that's why I was like, sorry, I haven't reached out. I've been very tired. Um, yeah. So I wrote a one woman show and it is called Lady Warrior. And basically I wrote it when I, I used to live in Cincinnati for a while because Cincinnati is actually my hometown. And I moved back there because I was just a little depressed. I wasn't really sure where my life was going. And I was like working multiple part-time jobs and pursuing comedy. And I uh, wrote some theater as well. So I, I kept writing these journal entries and taking different messages I had from friends or things that came up in my mind. And I was like, wow, I should make this into a play. So it premiered last year at a uh, female playwrights festival called the Afterbane Festival for Emerging Artists. And it uh, was very well received and reviewed. So I kind of put that on the back burner after it happened. And uh, last year, my friend Matt, who runs the St. Louis Fringe Festival, happened to approach me and said, hey, I miss you producing work. I know you're doing a lot of comedy, but do you think you could just sit in your free time uh, putting this together? And I'm so glad I did. Even though it was a one-woman show, it's very exhausting to put things together. But yeah, we had a three-show run and uh, we had two sold-out audiences on Thursday night and Saturday night. And we had a mighty uh, strong but tiny audience on Sunday, but it's almost great when it's that because it's very intimate. But it was great because I, I got to apply the comedy stuff to the show as well. I had to teach my actress. I was like, you know, you got to hold for laughs. You've got to use some improv in this. So there were some improvised conversations. So it was very cool. I was very happy I did it. <laughs> That's awesome. Cool. And uh, yeah, welcome to uh, <laughs> Running the Light. Uh, and here we have Molly from St. Louis. Hello. Hey. Uh, host of the Casually Molly Hi. podcast. And uh, how's your week been? Oh, it's been, you know, I was telling you a little bit earlier, it's been very busy. I just closed a play that I wrote called City Warrior. And uh, it was just, even though it was a one-on-one show, it had a lot of effort and lots of light put into it. So now I'm just trying to relax. And I was just at the Funny Bone last night and I made the list. And this guy brought 50 people <laughs> to watch him. So uh, we had we had a really good time with this audience, and I was really happy with the set. I got to try some old stuff, and uh, also I got to try out some new stuff. So it was great to have these people who were not only there to enjoy one person, but were very receptive to uh, try out other things. So, but yeah, it's been great. Just been busy with work. How about you? <laughs> um, my week's been kind of fun. I've been working on like a a pop up show. Uh, basically, the club in Omaha, the backline said we had we had some free spots. Who wants it? Yeah. Um, so me and an old friend, Matt Blevins, we're going to do an old show that we did called uh, Three the Hard Way, where we take three comics, we throw them up on stage, and it is only crowd work, no prepared material. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's going to be kind of fun. We're going to just hopefully get as much people in the room as we can. And we're going to uh, just run wild for 45 minutes and see what happens and I really miss doing it. So that's we kind of kind of fun. Uh that and getting ready for a funny bone set, but it's a competition. Uh as well. Yeah. yeah and that's gonna be kind of fun. As well as uh I just got asked to do a show in St. Louis. Uh not St. Louis, I'm sorry, South what? Dakota. In South Dakota. In South oh, Dakota. You got me so excited. <laughs> <laughs> no, um that, doing, that's awesome too. <laughs> yeah, just booking some Omaha friends and we're setting up for a South Dakota show. So I've been busy more of like not doing shows, but like getting ready for shows and writing and working on setting up every old episode of this podcast and throwing it up on YouTube, uh, which is, yeah, it takes like two hours for the, I do it all on my phone. Cause I don't, I do not have a laptop. Uh, so exporting the phone, the video onto my phone and then throwing up onto YouTube takes about two and a half hours. Uh, oh, wow. And I can't use my phone. So I just kind of let the phone sit and then I write. And so it's been, it's been fun. 
let me ask you, are you guys in competition? It's kind of funny you say that because I've like done all the competition season, all these shows out. So I feel like I'm in this like kind of like soft hiatus now at the end of August. Is Omaha starting the competition season over there? Or how does it work for you guys? We have a competition every month at the Funny Bone. Oh, uh, wow. We don't have a lot of competitions. Cool. I know the uh, Words Hurt thing, which is a uh, um, like roast battle type of thing. And uh, that goes on like once every few months. So it kind of goes on all year. Uh, it's more of just uh, whenever there's time, there'll be a competition type of thing. <laughs> Uh, oh no, that's that's really really cool. I was just wondering because I uh, I was in the Funny Bone competition here, and we just have like a season, or it's like it's crazy because it's like Helium and Funny Bone, and then I think there's another place called Smoke Sessions that does an independent competition too. So it's just all of them kind of get booked in one. But I think that's kind of really cool to have it each month and kind of figure out you know where you stand and what you want to do. So that's really cool. Congratulations! Yeah. I'm really happy for you. Yeah, I'm excited. This is like my over the last four years. It's been like my my fourth time, fifth time, it feels like. And the last time I was second place, and I really hope this is the one where I just cinch the win. I just really want the win. Uh, so I've been writing more personal jokes, more jokes that say about me as a person uh, and kind of show a little bit more individuality within my set so I can like get hired based off that is the goal. Absolutely. Well, best of luck. Well, thanks. I'm, I'm happy for you. That's awesome. Yeah, and so how's the podcast been this week, and where can we find that podcast? Absolutely. So I'm actually going to record an episode this week with my boyfriend, Jimmy Day, and he is also a comedian. Uh, we're going to actually talk about how comedy casually brings us closer together, Aww. which I know sounds really cheesy, but I everybody's like, oh, that's cute. But there's a lot of uh, fun and funky stories that go into it. But it is called, it's called the Casually Molly Podcast. And even though there's a lot of people that are from St. Louis, Missouri that are on the podcast, because we are talking about people that are from here, I've also interviewed people who are outside of the city as well and uh, continue to do that, which is great. But you can find it, every, every, every episode is called Casually Blank. And so it could be like casually growing up in your industry or casually, let me see what else I had here, casually telling the truth or casually spooky. We, we've definitely covered a lot of bases, but you can find it on basically all streaming services, Spotify, your Apple podcast app. Our host is Podbean, if that's helpful for you. We also are on Google Play Music. So anything that's, or on iTunes, anything that you could literally look it up on, you would probably find it. Awesome. Uh yeah, that's that's great. Uh, it's a it's a great podcast. I've listened to it. It's it's a lot of fun, and uh, it's it's worth a listen. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. We, we I'm having a lot of fun doing it. The inter interviewing people is a lot of fun. It so. is. It is. It's it's a lot of fun, like getting different voices in and learning where where they're coming from, what their inspirations are, and kind of just having uh, weekly conversations with people. It's a blast. Yes, I agree. So, uh, anything else this week? Anything like not comedy related you've uh, done this week? Oh my goodness. Uh, just about everything. I know it's like, it's crazy when people ask that because they'll be like, have you done anything not comedy related? And I'm like, Oh my God, it takes up my life. <laughs> so in the best way possible, I love that it does. It won't be this week, but actually next week I'm getting out of St. Louis for a little bit. Uh, and I'm going on a float trip for the first time in a very long time. <laughs> so what I, trip? I don't know where it is a float trip. So uh, basically I'm getting in a raft and, drinking some beer and <laughs> going to go floating on the river. And I haven't gone in a while, but the people I'm going with are like really into it. So I had to go get a pair of float shoes. <laughs> and I, uh, that's one of the things that that's not comedy related that I'm going to be doing within the next couple of weeks. Nice. That's awesome. Uh, in terms of not comedy for me, I've been getting back into like this, maybe because like the seasons are changing. I've been listening to a lot of early 2000s pop punk and it's just been a blast. Um, yes. Yeah, it's been it's been fun. Then watching old episodes of Invader Zim where they should have been on YouTube. <laughs> I love it. I I don't know. I it's kind of funny you mentioned that because I've been getting listening to some pop music too. And I uh, I will say though we have Backstreet Boys coming in. Not maybe that's not what you're listening to. But uh, my girlfriends and I have been like, remember when we used to listen to all of this? But I, I don't know if that's the season's changing. I think that's just like me getting a little nostalgic, but 
That's yeah. fine. They're also, for you. They're also <laughs> coming to Omaha, actually. Uh, so, yeah, I, I've driven by and go, this looks, this looks interesting. Um, I, <laughs> it definitely is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I've only seen one music performance in concert, besides, uh, two, actually. Weezer at Maha and Weird Al. And that was, that was one of my favorites. I was really bummed. Oh, when, my God. I was bummed when I flew to L.A. because right when I was flying in, uh, out of L- uh, into L.A., Weird Al was coming to Lincoln. Did, oh, don't tell me you were there, Rich. Don't, because I would, I would have loved to, because he did an, an all-string orchestra, uh, for no strings attached, and I would have loved to. See, did I'm just gonna ask you, Rich? Now, did he do? Uh, fuck, what was that song? Um, everything. No, your horoscope for today. Yes. Fuck. Oh, I mean the one that like has like a big band style or UHF. Did he do UHF? Damn it! Those are my two favorite songs by Weird Al. Ah, damn it. Ah. <laughs> oh fuck! Uh, I also bought Straight Out of Linwood. I bought that album. I, I also yes, I could stream every Weird Al uh, album I want, but I want the physicals of all of it. <laughs> I have like multiple. Uh, no, I I missed that. I uh, Weird Al was right across the street from me, and I didn't get to see him, but <laughs> I wish I had. Oh, I I have multiple versions of Dare to Be Stupid. I think I have it on cassette, and I have it on CD, and I will try and find it on vinyl. Ah, that's Weird Al is actually the reason why I got into comedy. I was doing a speech uh, in college where I was doing Weird Al uh, songs, and I was trying to find the funny in them without emulating. And that was like the first foray into comedy. And I just, I still geek out over like anything Weird Al related. Uh, and I almost will buy the poster for the uh, Nebra- Lincoln, Nebraska show. All of his posters were unique. Oh my gosh. I'm so jealous. I need to. If he ever comes back to St. Louis, I'm definitely going to just go see him and just bite the bullet and go. Oh. I, had, I think I had a show or something that night, but I'm, I'm going to go. It's an experience. <laughs> like, I remember when I went, he was doing, uh, it was for the Harris uh, Casino summer concert thing. Uh, he did a MTV unplugged version with, like, fake candles and everything of Fat and Eat It. Uh, he did with the 51st Brigade. He did uh, Saga Begins. The episode one song, uh, and that was a, that was a lot of fun. I think he also didn't do Yoda as well, but um, it's it's a black like it's a it's a full experience. And in between costume changes, he has a little uh, he has a giant TV in the back that shows every time Weird Al was on TV through different voices and stuff like that. It's 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 a blast. It's a good it's a good show. Uh, it sounds awesome. It looked awesome from what they advertised. So I was like, oh, and I was, I remember I was ready to go, but then I, I got a, I got a gig. So oh yeah, no. Sometimes, unfortunately, you can't pass those up, but no, it looked very, very cool. I felt super <laughs> guilty. Uh, the guy who uh, said a St. Louis, uh, St. South Dakota gig, he said, I have two ones on the 30th. I go, I can't, I'm seeing some old fr- car- uh, friends in Kearney, Nebraska. Uh, and I haven't seen them in like, four years so i was like i'm driving out there and i'm gonna go see them uh and whatnot because some of them now live in washington and i'll probably not see them again for another four to five years uh but it feels bad like i don't not bad but like it feels counterintuitive to everything i've taught myself in comedy to pass up a gig um, oh, I understand. But you can't pass up people that you haven't seen in a long time. Right. So sometimes like when you have family in town, like I, uh, I'll never forget my mom came in town and I had a gig and I, I, I brought her to it and it was totally fine. And I, you know, she was happy to come see it. Cause she doesn't really get to see me do a bunch of comedy. So that time it ended up working out, but there are some times where I had a three day weekend. I had a bunch of family coming in and somebody had passed, you know, exactly. It's just like what you said, you just like passing up an opportunity. You're like, Ooh, like that's going to affect like my growth and my career and like everything that you teach yourself in your head. But I basically had to be like, Hey, I love you. But, um, unfortunately, this is, and I explained the situation, but what was kind of cool was the same person that wanted to hire me that weekend hired me the next month. So right. maybe you can just make it. Yeah. You know? Oh, <laughs> like, I told us like, Hey, thing was like, that show sounds great. Put me on the next one. I'll do it. Um, and I've done, I've, I've had family get togethers where I leave early to go do a show. Uh, or come late to do a show, and they've my family understands now. It's just like I won't pass pass up a gig, and half of it was I already have like three gigs that week alone, so I'm not worried. I can just let one slide. Um, that's basically been my week, and apparently that's been your week. Uh, I do want to talk to you about 
this uh we're we're talking about Whitney Cummings' newest Netflix special, like really new. I think it's only like a couple of weeks old. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I, we're talking about "Can I Touch It" by Whitney Cummings. And first question is, why did you pick this one? Absolutely, no. This is actually great that we're talking about this. So I was very fortunate. I got to meet Whitney Cummings when she came to Helium Comedy Club here in St. Louis, and she did her set. And it was kind of cool. Why I went was she was saying that this was the practice tour for this particular Netflix special. And on a personal level, I, yeah, exactly. I have always looked up to her. I loved her when she was on her show. I really kind of relate to her comedy and her sassiness. I try to put a lot of her concepts and ideas into, um, even though they're mine, I, I, I admire and I'm inspired by her, which is why I chose her for this particular episode. But I, I got to see her jokes. And then when this came out, I was like, oh, my God, this is kind of cool. I'm going to compare what I saw live to the actual Netflix episode. And, of course, like there were things that were changed. And um, we'll probably get into it later. But there is a secret surprise at the end that she brings out that was obviously not in St. Louis, <laughs> because I, I don't think she even knew yeah, that was happening at the time. I am. Mm-hmm. Um, while I was in LA for a week, I had people telling me about the Whitney Cummings special because apparently she also did some uh, tryouts of uh, of it of that special in uh, California. And in fact, one of the big surprises it shows a back behind the scenes special the first time it was out, which was in California. Um, mm-hmm. so it, it was fun seeing like stuff like that. In fact, that whole ending where you see the behind the scenes stuff, uh, I always do find that fun. Like when it's sincere, not like, uh, Jim Gaffigan's, uh, one of Jim Gaffigan's earlier specials. I now can't remember the one with hot pockets. Um, and oh, you, the hot pocket. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, that one has a fake behind the scene ones and that's kind of boring, but stuff that's like actual, like, uh, Oh yeah, Sarah Silverman's uh, surgery one where she got surgery and she showed that for the credits on her Netflix special. Yeah, that was fun. Like I stuff forgot like that. about that. Uh, like stuff like that's fun. Um, I liked a lot of it. There were uh, like a couple of small like oh this fell flat oh this fell flat, but it was overall a, a great special. And like I was talking to Margie, I liked it in the same way that I liked Tignataro one of Tignataro specials where it just I didn't like find myself laughing all the time. It was just more like this is very engaging, very fun to watch and just a joy and really engaging. And I think part of that is her body language. Like it's very like she's moving around the stage a lot. Like she's very fluid. I agree. She's very, very animated. And I I think what's very attractive about Whitney Cummings and why she does so well is uh, because like that's very relatable to people. Like when we get excited about like if when she's sorry, when she gets excited about something, we kind of want to get excited with her. So um, what was kind of cool was when, you know, you're watching this and I was like, oh, like these are some of the things that I saw when I saw her live. Uh, What was one of them I have? I have a little list of notes here, but same, there, actually. The trailer story has... Oh, perfect. See, we're on the same page. <laughs> this is fantastic. I'm so excited. Okay. So, the talk about um, when she was in the trailer at 19 on a movie set was very relatable to me because I was a theater major. <laughs> and it's, it's very hard. And this was like when I was a theater major... You know, obviously there's like the internet and stuff like that, but you know, and I, I say this like, you know, I'm so old, I'm only like 28, but um, it, it's the same kind of feel where, you know, I would have directors and, you know, they would always say things like invite you to lunch or something. And I, I never was in anybody's trailer because I didn't do a lot of film stuff, but I remember being on lunch with somebody and I was like, oh my God, this is a date. I need to get out of here. <laughs> and people are like, how did you not know? And I'm like, because I thought bra straps were clear and I was an idiot. Like I, 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 I completely, it was, even though that's like a serious situation, it was really interesting how she made that very cinematic and also very relatable to people in the audience. She so had a, that was just my opinion on that. She had a great way with uh, what she does is she, like, I actually had to stop and like count the seconds. Cause she mentioned sexual assault less than 30 seconds into the very first minute of the podcast. Uh, special uh and Mm -hmm. it it's an uncomfortable topic for a lot of people and what she did is she she put it on the table 
She then made it absurd. She eased people into it by, like you said, making it relatable, being animated, but never lessening the, I can't even, yeah, lessening the impact of the subject matter. And it was, it was a great, that entire half of the special was phenomenal. I loved that. It was just taking ideas and not shying away, but also trying to ease the people into it, not by adding padding, but by, I don't know, I don't, Making it absurd? Yeah. Like showing the absurdity, I guess. I guess that's it. Like the Jeffrey bit is showing the absurdity of uh, something serious. I am realizing that the guy friends of mine that are the most self-righteous, I actually think might be the ones that have done nothing wrong. They assume these women must be exaggerating because they themselves would never behave the way they're seeing in the news stories, right? Like you would never pull your dick out at work, sir. Of course not. (laughs) Of course not. Be ridiculous. It would be crazy for you to do that. That'd be an insane thing to do. But you have that one friend. You can totally see doing that shit. What's his name? Jeffrey. Jeffrey. Anyone that goes by Jeffrey instead of Jeff is a fucking asshole. He likes to waste people's time with his full name. I related to Jeffrey because I have a bit about, like, her Jeffrey is my version of Brad. <laughs> like, I, like, we all have a Brad that kind of bothers us. That's why I say I never really go out and, like, do, like, that club scene or anymore the way you used to, like, when you were younger or whatever. But I, 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 was, I like, would not know. Uh, <laughs> no, oh, see, <laughs> that's okay. For us, especially for us ladies, at least for me and my and my friend group, there was always like that guy named Brad who tries to sell you like a list of different things. And like anybody I talk to when I do this joke is always like, oh, yeah, we do have a Brad in our group. So I thought it was like interesting that she was talking about, even though that guy just happened to say Jeffrey, and I'm sure that kind of had to come on the spot there. It was right. definitely very relatable in that. But I agree with you. And she did that, too, at Helium. Because uh, she didn't even do it in 30 seconds. The moment she got on stage, she's like, hi, I'm Wendy Cummings. Let's talk about something. Let's talk about sexual harassment. And everybody was like, whoa, right. what? But because it was such a hot topic, the whole room, I think there was maybe 150 people there on that Thursday night. Like, we were just all, like, zoned in. And it's, it's just like what you said, the steps and the balance and going into that. All of a sudden, we were like, oh, that service dog comparison like won everybody over in our audience. So I That's, could see why everybody related to it. You <laughs> could feel the audience be collectively more uncomfortable and understand Whitney's point of view by comparing mm-hmm. it to a dog. Uh, not in like a demeaning yeah. way, but comparing the I can't hug someone to I want to pet this dog. And then using that language on the dog shows how absurd it is and how problematic it can be. And you can feel the audience getting collectively more comfortable. Uh, it's a great way yeah. of taking something uncomfortable and, and bringing the audience in by, I guess, using an example that makes people aware and feel safe, I guess. I guess. Exactly. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun way of poking at awareness because I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, I understand. And then using something just as simple as that are like, oh, now I really get it. Just because like I, I work full time at a hotel and there's definitely people who feel like they could just come up and hug you. And then they're like, why are you uncomfortable? Like, this is weird. Like, I am like, I don't know. Like, this is strange. And it's, it's interesting. Now I feel like I'm going to use this comparison now whenever I have anybody creepy come up to my desk i'll be like excuse me <laughs> not a service dog okay or i'm not i am a service dog just leave me alone but uh, right. it was i i actually i really liked it a lot it was yeah, i absolutely agree with you i don't know anything besides i just liked the credit card swiping joke i think it it, it was just kind of a great sometimes self-deprecating joke where she says yeah this was we were we were all sloppy. I was sloppy. Here's this credit card situation I did with the swiping, and it was just fun. And it added on to that whole we're all having fun. No one's uncomfortable here type of situation. And that made mm-hmm. that first set where talking about something uncomfortable making you feel a lot better. Yeah, I agree with you absolutely. I got the same note on here, but I loved the flip that she had when she said that now credit cards have chip readers. Right. So 
that's not going to work anymore. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I love how it was just, it was great. And then how people, she was saying about how people are getting creepier while trying not to be creepy. Do you remember that at yes. all? Yes. I also did just finish the, uh, the special like two hours ago. So. Oh, that's okay. No problem at all. Uh, well, there's this great bit about how like, uh, I feel like a lot of people think that calling somebody white material is almost a compliment like oh you're a white material like it's almost like a safe bet and she does like this really funny bit about how uh am i allowed to cuss on this oh yeah yeah at all? yeah yeah oh, okay it's fine just trust me sure. i didn't <laughs> i just didn't want to make you upset if i did no but, uh, i i also realized i just haven't cussed yet this whole time which feels weird for me that that seems right right have i have i sworn already on this podcast i have Oh shit! Yeah, I did. I said fuck with the weird owl thing. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. Did. <laughs> and I feel like here I am talking about. I know we were really, really upset about Weird Al. There it might, it might have. I really <laughs> wanted to see that show for like a year. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, me too. We're on the same page, uh, just in Omaha and St. Louis. But yeah. uh, basically, like she's talking about white material, and I've I've heard people say that before, and it's always like kind of a an uncomfortable position to be in. But she talks about like. She's like, no, that's actually really creepy because basically you're like, yeah, I'm going to fuck you forever, put you under a contract. And she, I love how she does like the things that society almost considers normal. She kind of flips around, which is great. And then uh, there's a great, op right after that, she's talking about how people try to challenge her opinion. Like, like, you know, as women, like, how would we know that we were actually like sexually harassed or something? And what she did, and again, it's like that self-deprecation that you were just talking about because she's like, oh, like, because as we women, we're known to forget things and let things go, which is exactly, we never forget things and we never let things go. So I don't know. It's always, I felt like her, her different steps into getting that comfortable level really worked in her favor. I, I, I think it did. And sometimes, like I know for me, I've been trying to write jokes about like mental illness or loss. Um, and I thought that meant when it came to easing them in, making a larger uh, setup, not like a larger setup, but like jokes with, you know, a setup with jokes in it and then getting to the sad. But like Whitney coming shows mm -hmm. that you can just get into the uncomfortable topic right away. But it is you have to really be more aware of your peaks and valleys, uh, pe peaks and valleys uh, and making sure of that. Um, and I think that's a, another great way of easing the people in is saying, we're going to be here. This is going to get weird. Let's embrace it. And we're going to have fun along the way. And I think that like the wife joke, uh, not only did she mention something that is creepy, but she also got into someone's face and just look like looked at them, got down on their level. It was really intense and funny and hilarious. Yes, I absolutely agree. She said something too about how like she was like, she wasn't angry, just very compassionate. Like um, when getting harassed at work, pretend there's like a medical emergency. Right. <laughs> and she's like, oh my God, call an ambulance. Gary thinks he's in my league. <laughs> um, which related to me, actually, personally, one time I had like this older gentleman ask me out one time and I was having a really bad day at work. And I, I swear to you up and down, it was the most like, even though this is like a weird story, it was actually kind of funny. Like he was like, hey, like, do you want to get a drink sometime? And I started crying. <laughs> in front of him and my boss was like dying like and then uh she's like one time I got asked out and I cried I was like that was me I totally understand and I remember like having this meltdown I was like oh my god I can't believe that like this guy thought that I was gonna say yes to this and I was like oh this is a real thing I've actually done this in real life but it was uh it was that was the thing is my boss was like I love that you didn't even get angry you didn't even cut them out you didn't even say fuck you you were just very compassionate and I was like this is this is a true story if you made it and he trust me he left me alone after that yeah, <laughs> never came back never came in so i was like i gotta write this into a bit somehow about how if you start crying people just leave you alone but uh i don't know i'm gonna do that yet but maybe after this podcast i'll sit down and i'll think of it <laughs> for sure uh yeah one thing i noticed is that she actually mentioned uh this there was a what, what a 10 15 minute segment about talking about stop generalizing and then focusing on more societal yeah. problems for uh I, yeah, I guess yeah. blatant sexism, and I. It was interesting from not only just focusing on instead of using broad general terms to talk about uh, social issues, looking at the systemic problems and making jokes about that, so that way it feels your joke feels more grounded or more 
thought out. Like you actually know the issue, but uh, it's it's kind of really great seeing a comic who's been doing it for a while like evolve and realizing some of the earlier shit is problematic. Like uh, we were just listening to Chris Rock's Tambourine, and as much as I, as much as I like Chris Rock, that whole men are X and women are Y bit that he did in the early 2000s was something that made me kind of uncomfortable. Uh, still not something I'm like super into, uh, but he still kind of uses that format. And even though he's evolved in some ways and not evolved in others and Whitney, it seems like there's that kind of acknowledgement and evolution, which is great to see in a comic. Cause some people, we don't always, we take our jokes like babies, like, like they're our personal baby. And it's hard to admit that sometimes our child are fucked up. Oh, I totally agree. I absolutely agree. Like, and I, I do, I, I just completely agree with you on that. And I, I love how she made fun of the fact that you kind of like what you just said, but I love that she made fun of the fact, like, look, we do make these generalizations. Things do happen, but here's why this is kind of a mess. So right. I got you on that one for sure. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, and I just, it's, it's nice to see that, but also like, if you're going to talk a societal issue, like uh, sexual harassment or sexism, don't make it general. Make it specific. It shows that you uh, you know what you're talking about, no matter who you are. If exactly. You, like I, I think we've we have a new uh, we've I've seen comics do like an Epstein joke or stuff like that with just using it as a basic punchline, and then it comes off as hacky. You're doing a topical joke that could be replaced with anything, and it just feels like you're trying to get a rise without really talking about it no i can understand that i i haven't heard any epstein jokes here recently to be honest with you but i do know what you're talking about i can't think one on the top of my head but just like with different um i guess with like different people who have been accused of the same kind of situations that jeffrey epstein was in I, unfortunately because people make generalizations when you lose that specificity yes <laughs> you kind of use that credibility of the joke so i yeah, yeah i got you there and even if you want to be more pragmatic, if you're the more specific you are, you find when you're going into the little details, it is more interesting. Uh, and you can make a joke out of it. I remember, I think someone was talking about Ted Bundy. Uh, and instead of doing a basic Ted Bundy joke, he said, like, he's not a mastermind. One time he escaped by just, he left a room because no one was watching him. And, like, that was the joke he made for, like, a, a while. And that's a funny observation and a great topic to play with. The more specific you are, the more Ooh. you can find little details. And I think Whitney Cummings yeah. did that in this special. I absolutely agree. That It's actually funny you mentioned that. By the way, that Ted Bundy joke is great. I'm kind of upset I didn't come up with that myself. But um, yeah, there's a how she was talking about, speaking of the generalizations that we were talking about, she had mentioned, she's like, we know, like, you know, guys are always like, well, not see, here I go with my generalization. But she was saying, guys are always saying like, oh, girls are crazy. And she's like, don't you know that we know, we see the text messages that you, they didn't send. And like the example with the Adele song with the six egg pan emoji. Right. And uh, exactly. We know all girls are crazy, but it's a. Uh, it's true because in the moment, like we're like, oh, I'm going to send you this and this is going to be this. And then we're like, oh, let me just get it back together. Because we've all been in that situation, man or woman, where we're like, I'm going to send this text. And then I'm like, oh, this is going to come off a little dramatic. So let me just pull myself back. Let me talk to somebody who's going to side with me for a hot minute. But she posed kind of, but which is what I try to do with my comedy too, is, uh, you know, sometimes like I'll poke fun at like, you know, people being dramatic or things like that. And uh, what was one of the things that I used? Oh, I do. This has to do more with like people approaching you. I uh, I have a joke about how people have been approaching me and asking me if I'm pregnant, <laughs> probably because I put on just like a little bit of weight because I've been uh, drinking and having a lot of pasta. <laughs> but, um, I'm in a really happy place. But uh, I was talking about that, how like, you know, there's different cultures. But I uh, the last night kind of went over well with the funny bone. I was like, it's always like these white ladies, you know, they come up and they're like Annie or Karen, you know, somebody who doesn't like know to mind their fucking business. <laughs> and I it, it really related to people because I specified on something that we all understand. And I feel on this level with what she was saying, she specified on the sexual harassment and the whole like, oh, well, people are crazy. We already know, but we're not that bad. But we just, you know, we send things sometimes that we probably shouldn't and we have to stop doing that. Exactly. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, and that, uh, what we and I just talked about encompasses like the first 
know, 30 minutes of this 50-minute special uh, that's just actual comedy. Uh, the rest was focused, and this is what I kind of liked the most, uh, even though this is where some of the duds kind of came in. I liked this half the most, although the first half's really good. It was about robots, like specifically yeah. sex robots. And as someone that like grew up obsessed with robots and still even has a little book he got when he was a kid about how to make a robot out of a bread box. Uh, um, I want to say router, but that's not it. Motherboard. It, it's fun. It's fun seeing someone who's at, like super passionate about technology spend half their set just talking about different aspects, different avenues uh, about the fuck doll community and just being really in, uh, interested in that. And that's way more a really a lot of fun uh this i agree yeah um the only duds uh, i'll take to the main one later but the first little dud i got it, it felt like an older aunt on facebook making a i'm really clever observation about the rice joke like getting rice for your phone when you should be giving it to starving kids it just feels like a eh sure it just it felt more preachy than funny and i kind of just rolled my eyes um <laughs> it was just fine and that was like the first like ah oh, this joke didn't land but the rest was like super funny and like more so than that I was more engaged because what she did is she took this concept about like uh, attacking women and using it and talking it about robots specifically like I, is there a term for fuck robots is there like a scientific term other than fuck robots I don't know sex bot <laughs> Yeah, sex sex bots, I guess. Yeah, that's that's what they are. Uh, I feel like both are like <laughs> slang terms. But like using it and like talking about like how like it won't replace women and then using topics from the first half and integrating into the second half was a lot of fun, but also clearly the passion was there, which relates to the whole like if you take a lot of research into something, your jokes then get very specific. And if you can get the crowd into your very specific mindset, it's super fun. Oh, I loved her commitment to the robots. To yeah. be honest with you. I, I mean, I agree. I, I actually, I was surprised because I thought seen her at Helium and I was like, oh, I'm probably going to know some of these. Some of the things are going to be new. And then when the robot came out, I was like, okay, okay. I, my, my whole, <laughs> everything is flipped. I'm ready to go. I remember I was like, I turned up the volume. I grabbed my coffee because I have to be off. I was watching this in the morning and she, I, I understand exactly if you about the right fit. I, uh, what really got me was the robot paranoia, how they do look human because I couldn't believe, I mean, they showed this cue at the end, how she went to the studios and got it done, even though it doesn't look exactly like her, it is kind of crazy that it really looks close enough that you're kind of like, Oh, and I, how she was like, Oh, I can't leave her in the closet in the garage because I'm afraid she's going to start talking to like the robots and the, um, the car controls and everything, and they're going to turn against you. I was kind of like, this is a, this is very true. I don't know if you, if you ever seen like the old versions of the Twilight Zone, but there's a great episode of that that I thought related really well to this. And the atomic this grandmother? guy, he's like, yeah, 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 yeah maybe it's that. Yeah, it's great. I, I was thinking about this and I was like, how far we've come that now Whitney Cummings has a fucking robot in her special. And it's like, it's crazy because it's, it's true, but I, you know, it almost kind of makes you curious how, how these are going to work. But what's great at the end is that she beheads the robot. So it shows again, robots still won't be able to replace humans. <laughs> you can't, you can't change that, but See, I, it is kind of crazy how human they look. <laughs> like, actually, oh, wow. That's where I disagree. Like, here's the thing that when she's talking about really? the sex robots and the factory and the forums, all of that, Great, because it's it, you can see the passion, you can see the animation. It's great talking about something you love. It's amazing. And what I thought was when she says you want to see the robot, and then the back opens and the robot comes out. I go great, and the set's done, right? And then I hit the counter, and there's like 15 minutes left. Um, and then she goes on what I can only describe as fuck robot prop comedy, and. It's there we go. I'm trying to get Rich laugh this whole time, and it's it was fuck robot prop comedy. <laughs> um, but it was like 
having the robot say little jokes and having the robot say stuff. I was like, I'm, eh. it should have ended like 15 minutes ago and then go behind the scenes. Like I would rather have just seen that at the end. It was just like, I don't care what the robot says. I'd rather hear Whitney discover her, like talking about like how the robot helped with her body image and stuff like that. All of that way more engaging than saying like a shitty Alexa, tell a knock, knock joke. <laughs> Like that's like it just sucks. No, I can understand your opinion for sure. I my boyfriend kind of felt the same way to be honest with you. He was like, "All right, this 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 part is okay." I just kind of found it interesting because I I knew what she was trying to do with the whole like like you know yeah like you're gonna have robots but you know is it uh, is it gonna how are you gonna deal with hair like it's gonna look like Angelina one day and then like Chucky at the next right but, and that part's great because uh, the robot's not there. <laughs> Like, right. it's the exactly. minute the robot's on stage, it's like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> like, so I, uh, I got him. I got him. Yeah, like those little jokes, but like, how, like, we're going to come in and like do her hair and then we're going to attach. I'm not going to let you fuck her. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's funny and a, a great, interesting story or stuff like that. It was like amazing, fun. It was great. I loved all of that until again, the last of this set, like, Five minutes of it, like five ten minutes of it, it was like ah, bummer. <laughs> ah, it just kind of fell for you. I yeah, I I think what she was trying to fix to like she was trying to find like that ending, and I I do have mixed feelings on um at the end when it was like, can I get you some guacamole? I uh, I don't I mean I don't know I guess like you can only do so much with the ending of a robot but I do it, it's just my opinion I I, yeah. I wish that part could have been a little bit stronger <laughs> right it didn't end strong uh, and endings are incredibly difficult to do especially in a set because like you don't write a joke for a closer you don't right right you write a joke and then in the last ten years you've been doing it I guess this joke is good to end on. Uh, what bums me out is like the the image of just a robot coming out and going, "This is me," and just pointing at it, and just, that that's the, the most definitive. Holy shit, that's the closer because you just spent twenty minutes talking about it. That's the most great cl- closer, but then you add on to it, which is meh. I mean, I've <laughs> you have a great idea, don't add. <laughs> you it's it's super punchy. Um, no, I I see what you're saying there. What did you think about the part where, uh, let me see here, the part where she was like, she was like, oh, you know, like her, like her fiance touched the boobs and she started turning it into a, uh, like a boxing match. That actually, that was, I think like the first laugh out loud, like not saying that I didn't laugh the whole time, but this was my first laugh out loud. Cause I think it was just the way she said, yeah, "Yeah, I'm really uncomfortable with her. It's just weird. But her boobs feel like boobs, though. And it was just the way she said that just made me audibly laugh. There's that weird pacing. And in that sentence that she just said, it, it told the whole story about what happened that week. Uh, and then her expanding on it was funny. Um, but, yeah, I liked I it. I agree. I actually laughed out loud. When she turned it into, she made, like, the noise. And I, I loved how she she did build that. But I think also that went over well, too, with the audience because of how genuine it was. Yeah. Because it was something that really happened. It was a great little personal anecdote. I'm sure it probably crossed some people's minds in the audience. And then when she turned it into something where it was like, oh, well, you know, it is a robot. It is still. And this is the softest part of it. I I did think that was a good play on of words for sure. Yeah, that was a lot of fun, actually. One of my uh, I think one of the strongest jokes that landed to me was just that that little sentence that she said. Uh, And that that was fun. That was a lot of fun, actually. I want to go back to like uh, like movement. I. One thing, one of the many takeaways you can take from this is like actually move and use your body as an extension of your uh, of of your voice. Uh, it's just not like in an acting way, although kind of, uh, or not even like in a caricature way, like Robin Williams. But like I compared this because I've been watching a lot of specials for this podcast. Jim Gaffigan's like first special, he is stiff as a board. He is standing the whole time, pretty much center stage. Uh, Whitney, when she's trying to tell a joke and it's more guttural, her head leans back. She's leaning down. She's actually caressing an audience member's face for a Wolverine bit. And it's it, her body is just as much that as well as her voice. And if if you're a comic, like, 
fucking move. I don't know. Like, that's just a thing. Maybe it's a small <laughs> nitpicky thing. But, like, I understand stages can get small. The stage you and I were on uh, for a show together was the counter for a comic book shop. And I get it. You can't always move around. But, like, if you got the chance, move. Like, you, use the stage. Yeah. Walk with the purpose. Use your hands. Show, I agree. Show I, off. I, be, I think it's be weird. That- no, I, I agree with you on that. And it's kind of cool because so she did that bit at Helium when I saw her. And at first, she was uh, she was still pacing back and forth. And again, very animated, very into it. And she sold it really well with the whole, the keys have been taken with us. So now everything's a clicker. So now we just have like the mailbox key. But she didn't caress anybody when she was at Helium. But she did like move to the audience and she did speak and move forward. So I loved that she added that little tidbit of the mailbox key. Because as as a person of a, that's a female that walks alone at night a lot, I walk from work to my uh, my loft. And everything is a security keypad. So literally the only key I have is my mailbox key. So I was like, I totally feel you right now. And I, one night I tried to do that. I put it in between my fingers. I was like, who am I going to fight off with this? Like, I have no idea. But I, I loved how she got, and I love that she's like, would you just fucking scoot up a little bit so that right. way I can do this? Yeah, no, that yeah, was fun. It was great at Helium. Yeah. yeah. It was so fun. I, I loved how she was like, was that Helium? Um, I don't know if you were able, were able to see the club when you were here, but it uh, the seats are right up close to the stage. So when she did that bit, she was able to get right into their faces. What I kind of missed that I wish she had done in the special was she had a great bit about people walking you to your car. And uh, I can't do it as well as she did, but it was kind of the same thing with sexual harassment and whatnot. But um, I agree with you. I, I'm always, since I was a theater major, so... For me personally, and I'm Italian, which plays into a lot of what I do comedically as well, I always have to move <laughs> consistently. Uh, so I, I think it's much more fun that way. I think even last night I leaned into the audience. There were people that weren't in the first row, but somehow I got to the people in the second. So I believe it's just like when you move around and you get animated, people want to be in that with you. So right. but I haven't seen that Jim Gaffigan special. I'll have to look at that. It's a fun, a, don't get me wrong. It's see. a well-written special. It's like a 50 minutes of just food jokes. I think it's beyond the pale. I'm pretty sure it's beyond the pale. Uh, it's an hour of food jokes and don't get me wrong. It's good. It's just like, you can tell when someone's done a lot of alt shows, done a lot of shows in not stages um and you don't move you don't move a lot and it's a bit of a bummer i moving around a lot of fun i mean i've done speech and i've done theater and just taking control of the stage sells your joke as being more oh what's the word i want to use i agree with that yeah genuine it comes off as more genuine yeah yeah. exactly you yeah yeah it comes off as a a little bit more understandable and a little bit more relatable so i i completely agree with you and whitney whitney cummings has definitely been someone who I've seen her older specials as well. And she always, she definitely is a mover in a shirt. She's a mover and a shaker in her career, but she's definitely a mover on stage. So right. I, I, I understand where you're coming from on that. Uh, with that, I, I want to know if you had to use this to use this special to teach a, a newer comic something or use it to help improve your sets. What's the big takeaway from this special? Absolutely. Well, I always consider myself a newer comic. <laughs> I've been doing this for only like two and a half years and there's many people who have, uh, but um, I definitely love the, what we kind of talked about earlier, taking something that is crazy, like sexual harassment, right? Not that it's crazy. That's the wrong word, but taking something that's a hot topic right now like that and adding that specificity to it mm-hmm. where it's understandable. It's not a generalization, Uh, Just because I felt like in the beginning when I first started doing comedy, I was using a lot of generalizations. And then once I got more specific was when I started feeling more comfortable with my work. Um, That would be the first thing. Um, The second thing is when you're animated about it, just again, like what we talked about, the audience will be animated with you. Um, I feel like a lot of times when you're not confident (laughs) in what you're saying and what you're talking about, the audience can sense that. And that's when they check out. Um, so I would definitely, I've always been somebody that's had a lot of confidence, even when I've bombed, to be honest. But um, yeah, I would definitely say like, even if you don't know 
what's going to happen or how it's going to sell. Like sometimes even where there's things where I didn't laugh out loud because Whitney Cummings was very passionate about it. I was still on board with the rest of her set. And then I would lead into things that I would be like dying of laughter in. Right. I, yeah, that's being confident and uh, taking something that you may not be, the audience might be a little nervous about, but just saying that we're going to stick in this world for a minute and we're going to see where it goes is shows a lot of confidence as a stage performer and also allows you to embrace topics that should be laughed about, but maybe other people haven't been able to find funny yet. And that's important. Um, that's how exactly if you're a new comic and you have this thought where like, I want to tell story, I want to change people's mindsets with my jokes. It's well, you got to make them uncomfortable first and not shock them, but really make them uncomfortable and dive into the why it makes you uncomfortable thing. And I think Whitney did that in that first uh, half of the set. And it's it really shows. Um, and I know for me, my main takeaway is find that thing you're passionate about, even if it's niche, explain it. Like find little uh, nitty gritty details of it and really explain it and make those details part of the joke. Uh, because once you're passionate about something, people are engaged, no matter if it's like model building or like vintage uh, music or even fuckbots. And it just, you, it really makes it, uh, the audience then gets passionate with you, even for the five minutes you're on stage. Exactly. I agree. It's never really about the length. It's about the passion you have within the length of your set. So right. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> on the same page. It's just all about the passion. And so here we're just going to uh, go into some rapid fire questions. Uh, first one, Molly, is what is your favorite sandwich? My favorite sandwich? Ooh, I actually had this really good. I love that I already know the answer to this question. I um, I had this really good buffalo chicken sandwich oh, yesterday. Are fun. Those are always fun. Yeah, it was so good, so good. Uh, tomorrow I get paid, and I'm really excited because there's also an open mic uh, at Patty's, and I like going to Patty's because not only is it a fun open mic, but they have something called the Dublin Chicken Sandwich, and that is just a mm -hmm. uh, very soft bun with a piece of fried chicken on it some blue cheese, and a piece of bacon. Uh, and it's just a very simple sandwich. I think you can also get a little bit of cheese in it, and that's it. Uh, and I like that. It's really good. I really like it. Uh, that, and I've been eating a lot of uh, eggs in a basket. Oh, my gosh. You're speaking. You're making me so hungry right now. But that sounds delicious. It's, <laughs> I, I, no, no, no. Go to Patty's tomorrow, Rich. I know you're shaking, but come to Patty's. Come to, it's a good chicken sandwich. <laughs> it's like eight bucks. It's like worth it. You get fries. It's 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 phenomenal. I like it with the blue cheese. You can also get it with ranch. Um, they they serve it with chips. I don't like a sandwich with. I don't like a hot meat sandwich with chips. I don't know. Uh, a sandwich has to be cold with chips. Uh, so I replace it with really? fries. Like I don't like. It's a hamburger. I don't want a hamburger and chips. I want a hamburger and fries. I want a hot dog and fries. Actually, a hot dog doesn't need oh a God. side. Hot dog Have doesn't you need ever had Saratoga chips though? What are Saratoga chips? They're really good. Oh my gosh. So, um, they, uh, they're basically like, you just put them in a fryer and then the Montgomery Inn over in Cincinnati makes them, it's like a steak place, but you have them with chips, but I've had like pulled pork, like pulled pork sandwiches. I've had them with chips. I don't know. I'm a chip girl though. I so, love chips. I get chips every day. This, this <laughs> might be, this might be the weird thing. If the sandwich is a piece of bread on it, chips, fine. Pulled pork sandwich. Yes. Chips. Once it's a bun and it's a very hot sandwich, no chips. I think it's the heat. Oh my gosh. See, There's that line for me. I don't know me. what it is. <laughs> Once it hits burger territory, it is no longer, I, chips are not allowed. That's it. That's that's the thing. It's a very thin <laughs> I line. It. I do like fries. Uh, yeah, fries just work in that. <laughs> Uh, then also just your classic egg and egg in a basket. Uh, getting a little bit of butter, buttering up the sides of bread, putting an egg in the middle of that piece of bread. It's a good time. A little hot sauce. It's fun. So I didn't I didn't feel like cooking today, and so I'm just gonna eat something. It's nice. Uh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, favorite joke that you have? Favorite joke that I have? Oh my gosh, I don't know if I have a favorite. Oh gosh, that's hard. Um, do you want me to say it, or you can even just explain the premise? If you want to go into the okay. joke, you'd be like the first comic to really go into their routine. I think in this. In oh this. my god! Oh well, yeah, no worries. Wait, if okay, we've had recordings. 
we had Tina Green give us a recording of her set. I don't know if we had a comic actually go into a routine. Oh my gosh. Well, I don't need to go into a routine, but basically what I'll just like kind of do because I, because. Oh, Haley. Okay, fine. Haley counts. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, what's the premise of it? Basically, talk about a, basically the premise is of, I, uh, I'm Italian. So every time growing up, people were like, oh my gosh, you don't have an indoor voice. You only have an outdoor voice. And I'm basically like, oh, well, your dating profile said you love the outdoors. So I'm really confused on what the problem is. And I don't know, people seem to love that. They're like, that's great. And I'm like, okay, cool. Thanks. So that's (laughs) that's like kind of the premise of it. But yeah, there's a whole bit that goes into it, but that's just kind of the start about being loud. That's an awesome joke. I think I've heard that. I think you did uh, that one during the show and it was was fun. It was a lot of fun then too. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, newer jokes that I've been working on, uh, that I, I've been enjoying is, uh, doing, I've been doing a joke about getting an STD test and just the nerves I've had during that. Uh, like there was like mm-hmm. one fun little line where I explained, I got a, uh, test for HIV and for herpes. And I mentioned to the nurse right before she's about to hit me with the needle saying, I'm really nervous. She's t- said that don't worry. There's a cure for everything these days. Then she looks at the board and goes, well, except for those two, and then hits me. And it was great. <laughs> that is hilarious. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> so I'm going to have to ask a slightly different question for myself because I ask this question every week now. Uh, but what are your favorite comedians? My favorite comedians? Um, yeah, I know. And that, it does kind of change every week, doesn't it? But some of my main ones are uh, Natasha Leggero. Mm-hmm. I really like her a lot. I think that she is just hilarious. I really like Tiffany Haddish as well. Um, I just read her book, The Last Black Unicorn, and I know she has a new episode, or a new episode, a new special on Netflix, and I haven't seen it yet, but I do want to. And uh, the other one I can think on the top of my head is Jen Kirkman. Oh, Jen um, Kirkman's great. I just got to- Oh, I adore her. I actually got to meet her too. She came to the ready room here in St. Louis. And, uh, it was actually that night that I, uh, I was, I don't know. She just always inspires me. Like I love kind of her, her sassiness and like her cool, like fly way of like delivering jokes. So I, uh, I was like, you know, I wanted to write this joke about plan B for a while. And so after her show, I wrote that, wrote it down and now I'm really happy with it. And I, she just inspires me all the time. I love Jen Kirkman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, she's she's phenomenal. Um, for me, the reason why I have to change it is like uh, instead of saying my favorite comedian, I'll just recommend some really great books, whether about comedy or just humorous books. Uh, getting to that, I one of the big inspirations for me as a kid was the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series. Loved it. Uh, I think I'm on book three now. I think, and I'm, I'm loving the whole series uh, from beginning to end. Uh, Jam by Yahtzee Kroshar is a really fun uh, apocalypse book in which it's it takes place all in Brisbane, where the entire po- apocalypse is, but instead of anything conventional, it's just the, the town is covered in three feet of man-eating raspberry jam. Uh, strawberry jam, I'm sorry. But it's just a fun little premise of like what's the end of the world when you don't plan for it. And it was just a fun, cute little premise, and it was a great book. I loved it. Uh, for the podcast, I read Bossy Pants, uh, and I really, really liked Bossy Pants. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a personal favorite. And then for a future episode, I'm actually reading, and it's not done with it yet, but Born Standing Up by uh, Steve Martin. Oh. It's actually a yes, really good one. Yeah, I really want to read that. Get the audiobook. It's really good. Cool. Uh, I, think I will. Everything I've mentioned is an audiobook form, so it's it's a really great, fun, they're great listens. Um, and so I really recommend them. That's it. That's, yeah, those are I my love Bossy ones. Pants. It's a good book. Oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's good. It's really good. And also the audiobook version of that one, instead of having the script for the uh, Hillary Clinton sketch, what she does is she just takes the audio from NBC and just plays it in its entirety. And it's a lot of fun, actually. It, wow. it makes it interesting. Uh, um, but yeah, no, those are those are a hell of a lot of, lot of fun and for good books. Um, oh, and the Weird Al, uh, audio bi- uh, Weird Al biography was actually written by an Onion writer, and it's really good. Uh, like an onion editor. It was really, really, really good. I think I finished it in like a car cool. ride. So it's it's solid. Um that was just for Rich. Um that one that one was for you. Um oh he also did a children's book if you want to read it. It's uh When I Grow Up. It's actually a really good joke. I gave it to my mom because she's a first grade teacher. She loves it. 
Uh, she reads it to her kids. Weirdest open mic experience? Weirdest open mic experience. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Okay. So I can't believe you just jarred a story in my mind. There was this guy when I first started doing open mics in St. Louis, his name was, uh, he went, his stage name was Gene Schwartz and he was a uh, quite a character. He would walk around with a tie dye shirt on and a fanny pack and like khakis. It was, it was very strange. And later on, what I didn't know was that I was doing my set and I guess he had filmed me or taken pictures of me and some other uh, comedians that were on stage. And uh, I, I don't know what happened, but I, I told one of the girls, I was like, hey, just so you know, I think that like something was going around. So this girl went and told him off and basically was like, listen, like you need to delete these things. So uh, he did. He did do that. But the week after his set was so weird. He like brought this Trader Joe's bag in with just a bunch of props. And uh, it was, it was very strange. He had his face in a, an inner tube at one point, And then he had a big dildo on his head. It was a, uh, it was, I haven't seen him since, but it was a, he was a very interesting character to say the least. <laughs> so, <laughs> Like suction cup dildo on his head. Like the one you put on a wall. It was a, uh, <laughs> No, like it was even, I, I don't even know if I can say it was that, but it was like even worse, but it was like, he had this dildo and then he put like elastic on it and then went over his head with it. So it was very awkward. We were on the same lineup for the helium competition that year. And he was like, look what I brought. And it was this big dildo. And then I had to go on stage. <laughs> it was like, Bye. So you followed. But, uh, yeah. Hmm. So you oh, followed the dildo him, set. But we were in the, we not, luckily I didn't. The okay. other guy who's really funny, his name is Ron Finger. He did and he handled it beautifully. But I was like a couple before Gene Schwartz and we were in the, uh, the green room together. And he was like, oh, look what I brought. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> what did is it this? stay on the head? It, it, it did. It okay. stayed on and he did that act a few times. Yeah. So, the okay. first time he had some really racial slurs, and then I think somebody called him out on it. So I, he just swung As the pendulum the other way to, 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 to Donald Trump, and it was weird. Oh, <laughs> I, oh. it was it was. I mean, it's funny. Everybody always asks about that. They're like, "Do you remember that?" And I'm like, "I, I haven't talked about people with this since." But it's funny you brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think the weird one of the smaller weird ones is I remember doing the shark club and I remember Allie Peeler. She was great. Um, and she worked sound back at the shark club times. Now she hosted a different open mic, but she was just the sound for this, uh, like four hour long open mic. She had to go for a smoke. And I was the only one who was there enough times to know how the sound system worked. So I changed up her set, uh, her music, which was all very, um, kind of, Bjorkish, I guess is the way. Like, yeah, that's how I describe it, I think. Bjorkish. Um, and so I just pulled up I pulled up Dookie by Green Day, and I just like this is what I'm gonna play. And while she was gone, I had to bring myself up and it was fun. It was it was one of my favorite times, which is now why I use I use early Green Day. Every time I if I ever ever have to make music for myself, it's always just that now. Yeah, that's why I'm wearing the basket case shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you, uh, Molly? Final question, uh, second to last question. Why do, uh, why do you tell jokes? Just because this is going to sound real simple, but just because I love it, um, I love comedy. I've always wanted to pursue it. I'm really glad that I am. Um, I really love relating to an audience, and I like bringing joy to people. Um, but I also kind of like making fun of myself. So if I can make fun of myself and also bring joy to people, I think it's kind of a, a good balance. So yeah. Can't complain. No, it is it is fun doing it. Um, and every now and then I keep reminding myself that I get to do this one thing that I love the most, and that is go and talk about comedy and tell jokes and make people laugh. And it's it is the the most fun thing you can ever do if you enjoy doing it. If you don't, then it's just exactly. mediocre or shitty at best. <laughs> uh, perfect. Now, Molly, um, it's been a great time talking to you, and I hope to see you again when I'm in St. Louis. Um, and I hope to see your play if I ever get a chance to. 
Yes, absolutely. Well, please do. Anytime you come in, please let me know. And, you know, if anybody else wants to come, they're more than welcome, obviously. But it was always, you were so sweet when I met you. And I'm so glad that uh, you invited me on. This was really awesome. Where can we find you? Yeah, where can we find me? Uh, When I'm not at home eating nachos by myself, um, you can definitely find me on probably all the social medias. I am just at the handle at Molly Ambergie on both my Facebook as well as my Instagram. Uh, And then for my podcast, again, the Casually Molly podcast, you can stream it on majority of streaming services. Uh, But yeah, basically, those would be the main places to find me. Nice. Um, for me, you can find me at Red Shoes Plum. That's P L U M B on Twitter. Uh, I finally just got a new follower, so I'm at 73 now. I'm gonna see if I can hit 100. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> um, and uh, Instagram at Plum Jeremy. And you can find this podcast on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, or uh, WebSized.com under podcast, and that's us. And uh, Molly, I, I, again, can't wait to hear from you again soon. And uh, thank you guys. It's been a, it's been a great time. Thank you. Thank you.